Hello everyone and welcome to episode 101 of the Dance Peak podcast with Phil Wright. Oh, let me bring you into my world right now. It is a Sunday night. It is almost 11 p.m. And I've gone between hours of editing and then running out and teaching and running out and training and coming back. And there were so many points where I was like, oh my gosh, do I really need to get this out for Monday as we do our bi-weekly releases? And as I was listening to the episode that I'm working on with Bill Wright, it was just so motivational. And he speaks so often from such a real place about you know, the things that have almost stopped him or almost wanted to stop him on his path, all the times he pushed through um, his experience moving to LA in his mid-20s and really building a career. If you're not familiar with Bill Wright, he has built this huge social media following and it's from this beautiful content, uh, his high energy dance classes, his choreography, his vlogs. He also is the choreographer for MC Hammer, which is just epic in my book. And it's a rich episode, if I may say so myself. It's gems between gems. You get into his mindset, his business savvy, really his how-tos, his thoughts on social media, his philosophy behind filming class, vulnerable moments, including where he has feel like he did compromise himself at one point. Um, And he really, I feel, shares in a way that has you feel had me feel like whatever we go through it's okay and you can persevere and here's how thank you so much to star west studios where we recorded this episode they graciously let us use their space and they are the home of dance class live so check out dance class live and star west studios on instagram dcl dance class live is preparing to launch a channel dedicated to dance so goodie yay for us also it is the home star west studios uh is the home now of the studio formerly known as debbie reynolds so one of the most respected dance studios in la debbie reynolds um was shut down um the building that was it was physically in was torn down by the city and then they have to get a new name that's a whole different story so they're now known as legacy studios um they have one of the best faculties and the classes are hosted out of star west studios so yeah be sure to check them out also if it's not up it should be up momentarily we have this interview filmed it's going to be on youtube so just look up dance speak phil right or check out the dance speak youtube channel yes we do have one with some cool interviews on it and that video um it's gonna be a little bit more uncut and so there'll probably be moments that you won't hear an audio that you'll hear there but both are awesome A shout out to our episode sponsor, the Dance Studio Owners Association, DSOA.com. They have exclusive live trainings with their team of industry-leading experts on social media strategy, digital marketing, copywriting, training, leadership, public relations, and more. They also have a library of templates and guides for you to simply download and plug into your studio and masterclasses with proven strategies for student attraction, enrollment and retention, increasing profit, and creating systems that allow your studio to run on autopilot. So if you are a studio owner interested in opening a studio or know a studio owner, check them out at dsoa.com join. 
And thank you again for our listeners who are supporting, whether it's by giving a positive comment, um, leaving ratings and reviews on iTunes. Oh my God, that's huge. And it only takes like 10 seconds to leave a rating or and or um, blasting us on social media, posting, saying what you liked about the episode or that you're listening to the episode, something from the heart and then tagging us in it. On Instagram, we are at Podcast. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hey guys, my name is Galit Friedlander. I've worn many hats in the dance world over the last 15 plus years and have created Dance Speak as a platform for people in the dance industry to share their stories and blueprints for success. So listen up and get ready to be inspired, learn something new, and get personal with the people behind the movements you love. Oh my god, I don't even... I'm not used to all these people, it's awesome. I guess this is preparation. Before, if I ever turned into like Galopra. 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 Oh my god. <laughs> Imagine I just had like a hairpiece exactly. on top. <laughs> and was like giving people free stuff, but it was stuff that nobody yeah. wants. <laughs> you get a yogurt. You get a toaster. You get a yogurt. You get a yogurt. Everyone gets a yogurt! <laughs> And I'm even handing out the boxes! You get spoons, I see everyone in the crowd like... Batter is not included. Got me. Oh my god, my face hurts. So is this a starting? What happened? Yeah. What happened to your seat? John pump oh. faked again. Oh. I did. Yeah, he pump faked again. Um, so my first memory of you actually is being at Carnival and seeing this full out like Florida. <laughs> uh, we knew it as we co- used to call it All Star. Really? I don't even know what that. Yeah, like all the. Oh really? Yeah. No, you, where I'm from, it's called booty shaking. That's yeah, so funny. It's called booty shaking, and then you know the more commercial, commercialized way to re, uh, you know refer to it is called riding out. So you know. All of that type of style and that type of dancing originated from Miami, Florida. You know, Uncle Luke, Uncle Al, you know, you know, the 69 boys, is, the list goes on. And uh, that's where it kind of originated from. And that's where I got my training from. That, that was like, I didn't have a, a studio to go to. So it was like, you heard that on the streets, you take your boom box to the porch and then you started dancing, you know, so... That's where, you know, that's where most of my culture and dance training came from. That's so dope. So Mm -hmm. within that, are there any like specific dance styles? You kind of just broke it down, but any other styles um, or movements that you can point to that influenced you? You know, I early on in my, you know, childhood, I did see a little bit of Ailey just because of my mentor at the time was a dancer and uh, he followed Ailey a lot and I started training at the African Heritage Cultural Arts Center in Miami, Florida mm-hmm. and they were very heavily culturally based on African Americans and their history and uh, modern, contemporary, lyrical and um, that was where I got my like, first taste of technical dance and then fell in love ever since then. Yeah. So dope. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I remember about the performances, when you you'd see Phil Wright, that's how <laughs> it would be like 
30 people on the stage and they'd have like pool party stuff <laughs> and, like, like you couldn't forget it and you did multiple carnivals and then it was a like, bill right bill right and i'm like bill right because it says branding and marketing because i knew who you were because you were like you're gonna know who i am yeah yeah i mean i think at that point in time i was just so eager for everyone to know who i was at least i didn't care about their opinions about me i didn't care whether or not they liked my choreography or the way i danced i just wanted them to know okay that's that kid feel right or uh, that's him. That's his material, whatnot. So I, you know, I talked to Carrie and Paulette at the time, and I was like, "Do you guys use a? Uh, can I put visuals on the background?" He's like, "Yeah, absolutely. We throw like little circles and shapes back there." I said, "No, I want it to be my name. <laughs> I want it to be my name." And then I'm like, "Okay, sure. Just send it over, and then we'll put it up." And every carnival, I made sure my name was up there, you know, just so I can get people to. Just know who I was because it's it's kind of hard moving all the way over from Miami to L.A. Yeah. And just trying to make your, you know, your your presence known. It's just so many of us over here, so many artists trying to make an impact and a thumbprint in the world. And, um, you know, that was one of the one of my ways to kind of just get it out there. That's it. It worked. Um. <laughs> For you. <laughs> I know. I was I knew who you were. And I was like every. But then. When I would see, like, you post or something, I'd be like, immediately mm-hmm. I, I knew exactly, like, who you were, what your brand was. Mm-hmm. Did you have a, a background in branding and marketing or, you know, like, where you, did you get that hustle from? You know, my back against the wall, you know, uh, you get creative when you're broke. Um, you Some get, people don't. Oh, really? Man, yeah. I mean, you know what? For me, at least, yeah. I, I got very creative. Actually, Fly Styles was one of the first ones that told me about that. He's like, you get re- you get very creative when you're broke. Yeah. And he's one of the guys that I look up to uh, very much so. And, uh, you know, when I got out here, I just, I just tried to find so many different ways to try to market myself. And, you know, not only what he said to me, but when I got here, I started working at LA Fitness. And I was a salesman. So actually, I want to backtrack a little bit because this is the question I had in my head really was like, what was your experience leading up to you moving all the way out here? What was it like those first months, that first year that you were here? Because you're getting into it and I'm so interested in that. No, yo, it was it was exciting, but terrible, (laughs) Um, terrifying, too, just because I wasn't alone. I had my girlfriend with me and um, we were, you know, literally bunking everywhere you know not having a place to stay um we shipped her car out out here she was the only one that had a car and um we we put all of our belongings in the car and we just like she had a cousin that lived in el Monte. we stayed over there in el Monte. we stayed with her aunt and she was you know thank god i had her at the time because if not we would be sleeping on the streets because her her family kind of looked out for us so shout out to her family. Like her family really looked out and let us stay. I think we stayed in Elmani, which is about an hour away from like the dance, you know, North Hollywood. Elmani for like a year, I think. Damn. Yeah, we're in Elmani for a year, and then I would drive all the way to Debbie Reynolds just to take Jason Wright's class. I would sit in traffic for an hour and a half just to come and take Jason's Wright class at five and ship all the way back to El Monte. And um, 
that would be my my piece of training that I would take with me, you know. But it was very, very, very testing, very hard. And when my back was against the wall, I just said, man, you know what? It wasn't about a dance class at that moment. It was about living and just surviving. Mm -hmm. So I got a job at LA Fitness. And <laughs> it seems like you loved it. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, but I learned a lot of different things from LA Fitness, like marketing and branding yourself. And, you know, uh, you're doing great, but you can do better. You know what I mean? Like, it's always like you can always do better and the numbers are never good enough. And I just took those elements and I applied it to myself. You know, I always try to push harder. And those are one of the key elements that helped me, you know, get my brand off the you know ground if you will you know how do you get all those dancers for carnival i'm like shy to ask one person to do anything <laughs> <laughs> you know um i i was fearless with being social with everyone mm. um you know i i didn't have any regard on anyone's opinions about okay well why is he so like in my face you know why is he just this and that um, I would gamble my chips and I would just, you know, put myself out there as much as possible and just ask anyone who was available, especially if they were a dancer. Because mm -hmm. I feel like any anyone that's walking this earth has a good spirit, genuinely, period, mm -hmm. you know. And if that person ends up doing malice or bad things, there's a cause to that, you know. And I don't let my fear for not interacting with them get in the way of what the long-term goal is mm. so basically if i wanted the carnival piece and i was in dance class hey you you know and i if i thought you were done hey you hey my name is phil does not to get to that can we you know and that's that's how i would exchange and every time that i come in contact with someone i would throw my pitch out there or whatever the case may be you know i made it very very known and i was very social and i'm still very social that's so dope. <laughs> Were you always like that, being social and not afraid to ask? Yeah. My father was very, like, outgoing and outlandish, you know. I didn't really grow up with him, but those are the stories that were told to me. Like, man, you just like your father. Loud, obnoxious, <laughs> just funny, you know, just over-the-top, dramatic, you know. But, you know, I am who I am. Like, it is what it is. What's something mm -hmm. that you've had to work on or that you feel like? For me, uh, I think adjusting to the atmosphere and not being so. I love to be me, and I don't want to change that ever, ever in life. But there, there's a time and place for everything, I think. And there, throughout the years of being here and holding myself at a professional standard, there are times where I have to kind of monitor that. And I almost like to... Um, how do you say it? Like reflective imaging? Like if you if you're sitting here, mm -hmm. I I kind of start oh, yeah. to see here. I know exactly. It's um I'm th I'm blinking on the word mirroring. It's mirroring. actually mirroring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've become I've been doing that a lot more. Oh. Yeah. And I feel I've come to find out like people are more acceptive when I end up doing that. But if you're like loud and hey, what's going on? I'm like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> start doing the shimmy yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> I can feel myself sometimes. My energy, like, I have my quiet moments, but mm -hmm. I can feel myself 
constantly like I'm at a different volume than everyone and I don't want to change sometimes it happens in class when the teacher's like how's everyone doing I'm like I'm great and everyone else is like this and I'm, I'm trying to interact with the person mm-hmm. next to me and they're like <laughs> but are, are you an introvert Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm an ambivert, I ambivert. think. what is that? Ambivert is you're both. Okay. So, extrovert means you get energy from being around people. Introvert, you recharge being alone. Okay. And mm-hmm. I find that I need... Well, I really recharge being alone. Mm-hmm. But I find that I need to be around people. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've even, like, found at this point in my life, doing so many things and, like, part of the hustle. Yeah. It gets so solitary, mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. realize how much it impacts me. Yeah. Same with me. I, you know... <sighs> Like, I, I try to find the balance. It's kind of tough. But we all definitely need that recharge. Yeah. Seriously. But, like, my brother, he, I mean, I know. I'm going to go on a tangent. I'll do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll <laughs> <laughs> do it. It's your show. My brother and his wife, they, at the end of a long day, if there's something to go and do and see people, they don't have a second thought. They go and do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm the opposite. And I think that maybe is a clear signal of... Like, sometimes I feel like I need to let off steam, but if I'm tired and I think of I'm going to party a celebration, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to. Oh, okay. And they're not like that at all. Oh, well. No, I mean, I think the the, the older I get, the less I want to go and party and, like, uh, exchange. Um, That happens. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) man. You know, sometimes you, you, you get drained. Yeah. You know? I think it's also... Like, you finally sink your teeth into stuff. Mm -hmm. So before, I think that I had made a certain amount of output, but not as much coming back, and I'd have to keep on restarting myself. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, you have things that are going that you need to put in energy to maintain, so you can't skip out. Right, 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 right. Totally agree. So what was your timeline like? You probably get this a lot between, like, moving to L.A. and being like, hi, I'm (laughs) Phil, and starting to get tons of social media views and getting dance work and all that good stuff. I don't know. My timeline was what? I moved over here in 2013, I think. Yeah, 13. And at the time, uh, I had about 500 subscribers on YouTube. And I had been posting on YouTube very frequently, uh, even back in Miami. And um, I started you know, doing a couple things here and there. And one of my friends was like, yo, just don't give up. Just keep going. Just keep going. And don't worry. And, you know, you get frustrated when you work at something and it's not growing or anything like that. So I, I, I ended up continuing to post and make it more consistent. How often? What was consistent for you? Yikes. Uh, <laughs> for YouTube, I would post literally every week. I would say twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and strictly dance videos. Um, and... You know, it's crazy because I moved to L.A. to be a professional dancer. I didn't put any emphasis on growing my social media platforms. I actually wanted to move to L.A. to be a professional dancer, be on tour forever, and become this iconic choreographer. And You know, I wanted so many different things, but the road started to split for me, and I started to encounter things that... You know, people, I started to receive what people were telling me. Hey, man, I enjoyed this about you, you know. And sometimes what we want isn't, you know, the main thing that we need to do for our community. And ultimately, honestly, I'm the most happy in my element now. Now that I'm kind of settled into what I'm doing, I'm the absolute most happy. I wouldn't change anything for the world. It's so cool. 
Hmm. What do you want to tell people or what do you recommend when they're like, my social media is not growing and I've been doing this for six months or three, yeah. or even me. I'm like, I gave up on my YouTube two years ago. Check out my YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Check out my YouTube. You're going to see nice videos from 2015 to 16. <laughs> um, and I'm like, is there even a point? I don't have, you know what yeah. I mean? People, my peers are already blown up. Yeah. I, I, what I think uh, the, the, the biggest mistake what people make is, um, you know, let's just say you have 500 um, people following you on Instagram and you're discouraged that it's not moving or whatnot. What happens is people will move, people surpass that 500 and have a bigger number in their brains where they move so far past that that they don't tend to the 500 that they had. Mm. And I'm a big advocate for sticking to the, you know, sticking to the ground and making sure that my viewers get all the content that I produce. And what I mean is, it's just, don't get discouraged because of a certain number that you, you take that, you take those same 500 people and put them in this room. Mm. Like that's a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, 500 people, yeah. and put them out, outside in a line. Like that's a lot of people. And if you can tend to those people, even 10 people, 12 people, that's a lot of people. Those are people that you can impact in so many different ways if you really give 110% to those 10 people but if you're only given 50% because of a higher number that you want to achieve then those 10 people won't grow because it won't impact them as much as it would if you gave them 110% mm -hmm. so when you affect them 110% those people spread that love and that love comes back to you and then you do the same thing over and over again. So I think the discouragement comes from numbers. Mm -hmm. And I tell my students this all the time. If you're doing like a live video or a live feed, you know how that little number comes up at the top? Cover it. Oh, wow. Cover it. Because what people do is they look at the number and they say, oh, man, it's only two people in this room. Ah, oh, man. I'm... And then they get less motivated. But if it's like thousands of people in their room all oh, they turn on and they move and they do yeah. certain things so you know i tell them to cover that number and just talk and just have a conversation you know because i think the numbers are what cripples you from really shining the way you want to shine and i really like what you're saying about 12 people's a lot 15 it brings me back to like what's your why mm -hmm. i understand people sometimes want just high numbers but if i go back to my why it's actually i want to impact people bro like I've taught classes where it's like 300 plus students. Mm -hmm. My best classes are when I had like seven people in my class. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the masses come when you genuinely, genuinely love what you do and you, your energy doesn't change. Mm -hmm. When your energy doesn't change, the masses will come. But they won't come if your energy consistently changes because of external things that are happening around you. Mm -hmm. You know, if I walk into this room and there's seven people in my class, I'm like, uh, you know, have this low demeanor and, you know, when usually I will be hype and going crazy and throwing up signs, hey, what up, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but if I walk into that same room and just give that same type of energy that I give, I can inspire those seven people and that's what makes me most happy because those people are gonna go and do the same to others and others and others and others. That's so, so dope. That's, that's what's most important.
You have a lot of kids and teens also, in addition to adults, or it seems like that, that are like diehard, like Phil Wright. Yeah. Um, I've worked with yeah. some of them. Okay. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Wait. Let's see if you're right. I don't know. Okay, this is where it's going. How do you What do you feel is what do you feel connects them so strongly to your class experiences? The kids or yeah. the teens? Oh, it's different? Yes. Oh, very different. Tell me. Very different. Uh, I feel like the kids for me in class, you have to implement the fun factor in it. Mm-hmm. Number one. Just because their attention span is so yep. short, you know, very, very short. On the opposite corner of that with the with the teens, I think you being more informative is much more interesting than the fun factor because there's a age range where you get kind of like um, too cool for school type vibe. You get anywhere between, I want to say like 15, no, 12 and 15. That's a tricky teenage just because they're trying to figure themselves out and, you know, they're... I don't know, on the edge of being cool or fun, mm-hmm. you know? Am I a child? No, oh, I'm an adult, you know what I mean? And I have kids, I call them chicken nuggets, and <laughs> they, I have the, the, the ones that are growing up like, man, I'm not no chicken nugget, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm such and such or whatnot. So, you know, you find that to be tricky. So I do, I do have two different approaches when it comes to teaching classes and different age ranges. So what are some, like an example of, you have a class with kids and teens and you probably have some adults in there. Mm-hmm. How are you balancing out for all of them? Well, I mean, I think everyone can relate to energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I my energy is up to a certain standard to where it motivates them to, you know, pull up, then that's, you know, that's the number one thing for me. Um, an adult can relate to energy, kids, teens, I don't care how old you are. Yeah. I think energy is the number one factor and balance between holding a classroom when there's so many different age ranges for me. What was the question you thought I was going to ask? Dang, I forgot. <laughs> what was it? I think... When I said kids... I think you were, you were, you were going to ask... I felt like you were going to ask, how do you deal with kids so much? Because... I get asked that question a lot. A lot of people ask me how, why, you know, you deal with so many kids. A lot of teachers prefer not to. And I always tell them, like, you know, patience is a virtue. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't like to deal with, you know. And um, I think we get, we get selfish in sometimes in some ways. Um, but, you know, for me, I feel like, you know, the kids are our future. And if you can teach a classroom full of kids... You can teach anybody, <laughs> I feel like. I think that's what's most important. But, you know, that's what I thought you were going to ask me because I get asked that question. Well, now when people ask, you can just be like, refer to, you know, 40 minutes in on the Dance Week podcast. This is, question is closed. Right, <laughs> for what's, real. What's a piece of bad advice that you've been given? I know especially in L.A. or coming out here, I got so much advice. I, being a new dancer in town, I got a lot of advice. Mm-hmm. What's a piece of bad advice you got? Bad advice. Or yeah, bad advice that you hear a lot. I would say, I think in any moment, not being you isn't being genuine to the craft that you're in. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, you know, any moment that you change who you are genuinely, um, 
and this isn't really an advice or a piece of advice that has anyone has given to me, but mm-hmm. it's more so of situations that we come across. Anytime where you feel like you're not being 100% you, you should remove yourself mm-hmm. um, from a situation. It's okay to adjust. It's okay to, you know, adjust your speaking level. or adjust, But adjusting who you are, that's a no-go. I, I don't think that is acceptable for the company that you're around and more importantly for you um, because you know at the end of the day you got to go home and be satisfied with who you are and ultimately if you're changing your personality and your natural environment for a quote-unquote opportunity you know that's a little off-putting I would yeah. say yeah do you ever feel like there was a point where you felt compromised and it was hard to discern whether to adjust? Absolutely. Do you mind giving an example? You can leave out names. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Plenty of times. There was a time where um, I I first moved to LA and I had to, you know, make some money and I got hired to do a job at a gay club. And look, nothing against the gay community, nothing against the LGBTQ um, community. Um, And however, I'm not gay or uh, don't represent that, you know what I mean, in any way. Um, And I had to compromise my feelings and the way I view things to make the dollar. And you know, sadly enough, I, I didn't feel comfortable with it. But once again, my my back was against the wall. And I can say what I've learned from that is because during that moment, I was very uncomfortable, very, very uncomfortable. But looking back on it now that I'm older um, and m- much more mature, I can look back and say, you know, that wasn't a bad idea. And, you know, I had to do what I had to do. And you know, I had to compromise my feelings for that present moment, but never in a time where I was judging anyone around me. I just felt uncomfortable in that moment, you know, and you can't control other people and what they do. There are certain times where, you know, other guys would kind of like try to, hey, how you doing? And I would be nice and, you know, whatever. But there are other times where other guys were a little bit more persistent and, you know, those are the situations that kind of put me in a, in a very, very uncomfortable environment. And those are the most, those are the times where I was tested the most. Um, because I still had to hold myself at a professional standard. And regardless of what I thought about the situation, I had to keep myself in a sane, you know, mind state to be like, you know what? I'm here for a job. Let me just do it and go home to my girlfriend and carry on about my day. So yeah, that was one situation. And you know, I did that a couple of times. Encountered that a couple of times. And I have friends actually, and I have plenty of gay friends and a lot of my gay friends, if, if I were there and there has been times where I've been performing and my gay friends would be around and they would kind of be protectors. <laughs> they were like, no, Get away, you know what I mean? Get back, you know? 
Um, a couple of my friends, I won't name them, but those friends are very special to me and they know who they are, but you know, they would be very protective of me um, because they knew how I felt and they knew that I was in that situation to make sure I had dinner the next day. Oh, wow. You know, so as I kept doing those situations and doing, putting myself in that situation, my friends would look out, you know, look out for me. So, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I believe that a lot of the time, the tougher times, they really inform the better times and we can learn from them. So not to be negative, but I like to dig into this area. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you were super accepted here or were you told no a lot? Like what are some examples maybe of no's that you heard or things that maybe could have felt like failure moments out here? Man, I've, <laughs> I have a lot of failure moments and um, a lot of, a lot of the success that I've achieved in the few years that I've been here doesn't amount to the amount of no's that I've gotten. Can you give some examples? <laughs> um, Those are so Examples valuable. would be, okay, uh, there was a time when Instagram was 15 seconds and I was just snatching people like off of the street and teachers mm -hmm. and people that I knew to do it. And I won't name names, but... I got a lot of yeses, but a lot of, like, I would type over Facebook, like, hey, I have this real cool concept, it's only 15 seconds, and a lot of teachers slash choreographers either wouldn't get back to me, or they would just say flat out no. Were <laughs> you, you know? asking them, like, to dance? Or to dance in my, like, 15 second video. Now, it's a stretch because they don't know who I am, mm -hmm. and... I take my hat off to the people who did give me a shot, and those that's why those people mean so much to me. But not that I have anything against the people who told me no, but those are, when I, that's all I had, those no's were very, very harsh for me because it was like, man, what am I gonna do? Like, I, I need people in my video. I need, I need relevant material. I need good material. And that was one case. The other case, there was a time where I got, well, when I moved to LA, my first audition was Clear Talent. And Clear booked me right away. And I said, like, yes, I'm about to conquer the world. It's over. It's over, y'all. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Glee, for the next two years, I did not book a job. <laughs> That's so real, though. It's so real. Except for those, like... <laughs> That one person that's like, they just wanted me and I just can't stop book. I just, whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm talking right. about? Besides those few people who stick out. Right. It's like, right. it doesn't happen. So many no's. So many. Um, just, I would make it to the like very end. And it got to the point where I would get to the audition and be like, you know what? Just cut me. Just, <laughs> just cut. Because so I can go home and start looking for the next audition. You know, I, I don't want to be here for cut three me. rounds. Yeah. Cut me. Cut me. And then I started to develop, to develop like this very like sour attitude. Oh. I was angry. I was so angry at the world. I was so angry about not. And then, you know, it's hard too is because you have friends and you're happy for your friends. Yeah. But I always feel like a little pinch, like a, ah, what am I doing? Am I doing the right things? Or who should I be training with or whatnot? It's tough, you know? And I became very sour within that two-year time span, probably even more than that. Um, 
I without booking a job and then I booked my first first job with Othan. Shout out to Othan. Shout out to Othan. Othan booked me on my first job with Revolt TV, Dance Behind the Dream. Dope. And after that that gig, I was on Cloud Nine. And then right after that gig, back to the nose. <laughs> you know? Back to the nose. And you know. Do you I, think oh, sorry. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Do you think it was like a matter of you needed more training, you need to be seen more seen more, or mm-hmm. was there something that had to shift within you? I definitely needed more training. Mm-hmm. I felt like my ambitions were ahead of my skill level. I think if I had to rewind, you know, the times, which I wouldn't want to because I'm very, very satisfied, you know, I love what I'm doing now. But if I was to go back then, I would refocus my ambitions to training more. And I wish I had moved out here a little bit earlier. How old, if you don't mind I was 26, mm-hmm. 26. And if I had moved out a little bit earlier, I probably would have had more support so where I wouldn't have to worry about living yeah. at the present time. Because when you're worried about living and catching the next meal, you're not worried about training. You're worried about, okay, can I sub a class so I can you know, make some money? And the only reason why I feel like it worked for me is because I love teaching. Mm-hmm. I love teaching, I love teaching kids, I love inspiring people. I think that's the reason why it worked, but I think some people resort to teaching just to get a check and it na- and then after a while it starts to show on their skin mm-hmm. that you're just here for a check, you're already, you know. So, or to um, get free classes. Exactly, you know, or just, you know, but it is what it is, but that's, that's my experience. <laughs> What's a major yes that you received that shifted things for you? Or made you like, no, it wasn't all in vain. My biggest yes was when MC Hammer. I love MC Hammer. You didn't say that. I love MC Hammer. Oh my God. When MC Hammer hired me to be his choreographer for his 25th anniversary at the Staples Center. That was something that was unreal for me because I grew up watching him in my living room, dancing to all of his songs and whatnot. And uh, to fast forward to time where he's actually hired me to be the choreographer for something that he's doing, and it's an anniversary, it's still him, you know? That was sort of like the, wow, okay, I can actually do this, or wow, everything I've been doing is coming into fruition. Like, it's everything is worth it now. And it's hard because sometimes we need that stamp just to say, you know what, Gilly, you're doing the right thing. Because we get in our heads all the time, for me, at least. Oh, yeah. I get in my head all the time. I'm like, man, am I supposed to be here? I would never think that. Yeah, like, I, I, am I supposed to be here? What am I supposed to be doing? And... The only reason why you say that is that you would never think that is because of what social media uh, propels yeah. and what I produce on social media. But man, there's so many times where I, before the social media blow up, I would go home and cry myself to sleep. Wow. Or I would, you know, cry myself on Ashley's shoulder and like, bro, like, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know if this is going to work. And, you know. Consistently, she always told me it would be all right and you know everything would be okay, and she was very nurturing in that aspect. But man, there's been 
plenty of times where I wanted to give up. Wow. Numerous amount of times. So that was the biggest yes right there. MC Hammer. And that was very recent. I don't know how, about a year and a half, two years ago um, that he hired me. We're actually going on tour and we actually have an auditions next week. So. Whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So doing That's big things. so dope. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, yeah. I almost want to like crash that audition. I should just <laughs> like literally just because I love that full outness so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's how I remember that's like a big piece of my training was like that. And then mm-hmm. I like the immediate critique was like, like, you can't have everything be that full out and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But I feel like that's like. Yeah. That's where uh, you get the most like adrenaline rush. Yeah, like. I- Mm-hmm. I think that it's art and there's like so many different ways to express yourself so I believe like there's this place for smooth there's a place for full full out right, right. that's just some of us existed a louder right. volume as MC Hammer and you know what's crazy is that even looking back at all of my material you can see that it was sort of like embedded in my DNA not to sound so like no but like the yeah, things you know I-, I had a question in my head like what were the things that you could see um, that road to MC Hammer like the things I I'm definitely my my background on being as full out as I can. Um, even looking back on the the carnival tapes and all of the stuff, the music would start and everyone would just run on it like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go crazy, go full out. Yeah. And that's what we do with Hammer. Hammer is like, all right, we're ready, and we were we had a show in Dallas, and we literally did just that. And I after the show, I was like, man, I've been doing this all of my life, you know. It's perfect. So purpose. Yeah. Purpose. Serve your purpose a hundred percent. Don't change who you are because things that serve you will eventually serve you. It's just a matter of time for it to come out. So. I feel like when you work with great people, mm-hmm. there's things you can learn, whether it's something they shared with you or something you observed about them. Mm-hmm. What are a couple of things from MC Hammer? Because he's... Legendary. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, what is that word? Yeah. <laughs> what are a couple uh, things? The genuine love for entertaining. Mm. He is the ultimate for who I've experienced in my past life. It's hard to... It's hard to see an icon like that get nervous before a show. Yeah. And like while we're in the tunnel, we we did this show at FSU at the stadium, and everyone's jumping up and we're hype and everyone's jumping and hammers like in like in the front. He's just like kind of shaking his hands. Oh my god. He go like this, like breaking his neck, just go like this, and like you see his buddies come and rub him on his shoulders. And then, you know, everyone's, and I, and I kind of got a peep of it. And I'm like, yo, he's still human. He's still human. You know, he's still a human being. And as far and with as many accomplishments as he's achieved, he still has that love for entertaining a crowd and wants to put out the best that he, that he wants, you know? And I think if you're not, to see an icon like that get nervous before a show, that lets me know that if you ever lose that type of, you know, that rush, that, that tiger, then you you probably fell off the wagon. You, or you, you fell off of, you fell out of love of what you do. And seeing that, him still kind of shaking his hands and him still kind of being timid before a show, just 
entails that he still loves what he does. He still has a passion for what he does. And that's one of the things that I've learned is that if I ever get nervous for before a show or very like timid, which I still do, you know, that means that I'm in the right place in the right setting because, you know, I want things to be right and I love what I do. So that's yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. You spoke about needing to like level up before you really started booking. Yeah. So what did you do to get there? Yeah, I, I use my resources. Mm-hmm. I use my resources. I had to, you know, social media was a big thing. And what was crazy is that I knew people and I had respect for them. And that's where the whole aspect of me just being outgoing mm-hmm. kind of helped. It kind of helped because I think the reason why people were so willing to work with me is because of my energy. Not because of I had this magnificent <laughs> choreography that they wanted to do. It was just because oh Phil, I feel like Phil's a cool dude. You know I'm a I'm a I'm a rock with him. You know, and I think that was one of the things that helped me level up is getting receiving those stamps from those people who didn't have to. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to give me a shot. They didn't have to like, you know. As a dancer, a choreographer, teacher. More for the teachers than anything because that's where I was going okay you know there are a lot of choreographers that I still haven't worked with yet but the teachers were so tangible because they were in my element of work and career um because I've I've been teaching for a while um and sometimes I I take classes just to learn from the teacher not the actual dance choreography I learned different strategies on how they hold the class. Yeah. So I don't even like, sometimes I care about killing the choreography, but I care so more so about how are they relaying their message to the students and how the students being receptive to the messages that they get. Um, So I'll make mental notes. Oh, that's, oh, I don't know if that'll work with me. Oh, I don't know. Not stealing, but just- It's learning. Yeah, learning. Absolutely learn. I, I like yeah. doing the mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, like dance class has become the funnest. Like I had fun and then I stopped having fun at a point. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I love the dance class part of it. Just like go live your life. Yeah. But then also absorbing things from the teacher. Being yes. like, hmm. Yes. Not in a judgmental way, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then creatively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to share this something. Excuse me, is this thing on? No. <laughs> Something with doing the podcast is I've had many moments where I'm like, can I put this out there? And I've, you know, I get afraid of asking certain questions and saying certain things. And then I go back to my why. And if I see a value in doing it and could substantiate what I said, if somebody is like, wait a second, mm-hmm. then I keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that I've taken out is if somebody's like slandering someone else or if it's something that's just like some straight up hate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which rarely happens, yeah. but I take it out. Otherwise, because when people get a little bit vulnerable, meaning there's a reason not to share it, but they share it and they share it from their place and their yeah. experience. Yeah. Those are the really powerful, poignant things. Yeah, I think, it, I think the whole point of this, the podcast alone is just to get the the organic you or the organic guest out to you know share the authenticity of everything yeah you know i think that's the whole point of it you know so you know (laughs) you know i know we have to cut certain things out just for you know political or whatever the case may be reasons but 
I mean, I think that's the whole point of it all is to keep it as authentic as possible. The other place that I come from, and this is like, this is a bias. It's an opinion that I hold. Mm -hmm. I come from a theatrical background before dancing, and I remember... I can tell so much. Oh, really? I can tell so much, bro. (laughs) I can tell so much. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. No, you shine. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. It does. It does. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the, like, theater people are so crazy, but thank you. (laughs) No, because I'll be, you know, I'm around so many actors and stuff, and they have, like, no idea, and I want to be, like, deep down inside, I'm a thespian, just like you. (laughs) Um, But one thing in acting class, I remember one of the teachers I respected the most, he had this whole thing about censorship, and we were in high school, and so the stakes are even higher for what he can allow us to say, and he was like, if we don't have freedom of speech, then what do we have? And I see speech and, and opinions and views and discussions as art, yeah. and so just how I feel like dan- like go, I don't truly believe in bad dance. Right. Like, Right. But like a painting is a painting and you d- can discuss it. Same thing with our voices and our opinions and our views and mm-hmm. discussions. And you know, I th- I had a I had a discussion with uh, one of my friends, the other, well, actually yesterday. And I was looking at a media post and I was just looking, browsing through Instagram. And I was just watching like a, a regular dance video. And it just, like a light bulb just went off and it was like, yo, dancing is just dance. Like, show, like obviously technique, okay. You have technique rules and regulations and, you know, the way you're supposed to do it. But show me where hip-hop dance for dummies or something like that. Like, show me the book where, you know, it outlines a correct way to, you know, express yourself. You know, and I feel like dance has become so broad and broadcasted on a major scale to where anyone can do it. I feel like the... It, I don't know if I should say it like this, but like, I don't know. There's, I don't feel like there's a right or wrong way on how you can express yourself. You know what I mean? Um, You can have opinions and liking to certain ways people express themselves and dislikes. That's fine as well. But I feel like there's no rule book is what I'm ultimately trying to yeah. say. Um, obviously, with the technicalities of how to do a plie, an arabesque, and stuff, things of that nature, I get that. But where I'm talking about more in debt on expressing yourself as an artist, like, show me the rule book. Show me where it tells you, no, you can't go to the left on that, that lyric. You have to go to the right on that lyric. Or you can't go that low, or you have to go lower. You know? Like, I feel... Us as a society and a dance community has become so um, critical. Yes. <laughs> uh, very critical and um, intense. And some some people would say, like, you know, especially like the old heads, you know, old heads, quote unquote old heads, um, would say, well, that's why we're losing, like, the standards because of how loose everything has become. Um, But my counteract to that would be, would you rather it be tense to where the community is very small and very compact and you find people in stress most of the time? Or would you want it to be a global phenomenon 
where everyone can enjoy themselves and everyone can participate and at the end of the day be happy you know so definitely there's a happy medium yeah. for it all um, and I think that's where we're trying to find we haven't gotten there yet because it's crazy man even the dance community is segregated between know, between social media oh, yeah. and you have your professional dancers yeah. and we all love each other we have all respect for each other but you can definitely see the line oh no like on dance speak i uh -huh. like had both views mm -hmm. and yeah yeah and like you it, it's very noticeable you know and um hopefully one day it can mesh together you know um but yeah we're, we're still trying to find a happy medium to where everyone and i feel like everyone respects everyone you know um but i feel like it's definitely there. That line is definitely there. Yeah, and I think that <laughs> when I edit, I'm like, I put so many disclaimers. Like, I just mm -hmm. could maybe afford to chop half of them. But <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's that a lot of people don't feel like they're respected or like the craft or foundation isn't respected. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's yeah. like... Uh, and, and that ultimately feeds the want or ambition to want to do better and want to fight because i need my respect i need this and i need that you know um and there's certain levels of professionalism where you get to where you don't care anymore yeah you know and you just you're a free soul and to be quite honest that's where i want to be i want to be a free soul i should not care about what and who said that what and the other and who thinks about this piece of choreography that I put out you know it's just so old yeah it's so old played out yeah you know? I think dance is also bigger than that it's something we've had for all of civilization pre-civilization right. has dance so I think it's bigger than the checks and balances mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a space for everyone and just hopefully like the roots don't get lost yeah but there's an unlimited amount of roots because that generation maybe had another generation before them that Absolutely. was upset about them. I'm not yeah. sure. And for I, I what my response to that is, look, you know, back in the day when Run DMC were doing that thing, there are older heads saying, man, that's trash music. Yeah. You know, now we got the Migos. People old heads like, man, that's trash music. When we get older, yeah. <laughs> the Chico's is going to be out. <laughs> We're going to be like, that's trash music. <laughs> you know? It's just, I think it's all relative to our society and what we grew up on. For me, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will be the best thing on earth for me. There will be no cartoon better than or anything. Besides Power Rangers, Power Rangers are pretty cool too. <laughs> oh my God. I remember playing Power Rangers and it was so serious which one you had to be. And I, think I was a Black Ranger. I never recovered from, I wanted to be the pink one, but sometimes it had to be the yellow, yellow. one. Yellow, uh-huh. And I wanted to be the pink Power Ranger. Mm. Hashtag six years old. <laughs> for <laughs> Hashtag real. Star. For real. Um, what's your creative process like for class? Class, uh, sometimes it gets heavy uh, because you get swamped with uh, classes that you have to teach. I, I go for content. Mm -hmm. I continuously test myself and challenge myself with new material. Uh, periodically more regularly than you know the average teacher I know not saying there's nothing wrong with it right. but I have a lot of teachers that 
continuously teach the same routine. Are you talking about like three times or more than three times? More than three times. In the same class? Yeah. You know, I've known teachers, not not in the same classroom setting, but throughout their teaching career or whatever. whatever. And for me, I feel like, um, you know, it's important to have content. And I think the body has an unlimited account, a limited amount of moves or feelings that it can express. So I'm always willing to push that to the mold. My strategy, if you would say, I move my table out of the way. <laughs> Kitchen would be that I built like a I built like a mirror right there on the wall, right next to my um, my kitchen, and uh, just go to work right there and there. Um, Ashley be in the kitchen cooking, and I'll be sweating because the the heat from the ovens boy this is so precious (laughs) very hot it's very hot and uh you know we live you know not in a mansion so everything is very tight and compressed and i'm in there you know i'm going full out you know i'm imagining i'm hitting picture frames she's telling me to chill out you know (laughs) and you know that's Typically, the, the format for, you know, me making up material. Does it take a long time? Are you, like, like quickly it comes out and it's done? You know what? Sometimes. Do you film and fix? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't film and fix. I, um, like I said, I'm a big, big supporter of content. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you say that, do you mean, like, creating a lot of stuff? Yes. Or? Okay different things now the con the the pieces may be short mm-hmm. um or not long relatively short because i i still want to keep the class element into effect and i want everyone to uh enjoy themselves so i try not to make them long at what at whatever cost it because i do get uh majority of the younger crowd there as well mm-hmm. so i try to keep it compact and nice and tight wait okay so yesterday no the day before I taught a routine on Monday. What's today? Thursday. Thursday. I taught a routine on Monday. I taught another routine on Tuesday. And I have another routine today on Thursday. Damn. So when did you create all this? I created the day of Mm -hmm. or the night prior. Um, So Monday I had material. I, I taught that. The next day I had... A couple of hours to myself, I created a short piece. And then today, after this podcast, I go back to my lonely kitchen (laughs) (laughs) and start creating again for tonight's class. Roughly how long does it take to create a piece for class? Sometimes I, now I've gotten to the point where I create like eight counts at a time. (laughs) That's embarrassing. Oh, wait, what do you mean? Eight counts at a time. I would like come up with like, an A count or two A counts, and I would sit down and watch Netflix. <laughs> oh, no, then, no, no. Yeah, and then you break I'll, it up. I would stop, and then I'd be like, oh, okay. Get back up, do a couple moves. Oh, okay. And then I would film each A count. Yeah. So I would film, make sure I remember it, and then go back and revisit, and that would be my process. And I would do that for within the next two hours, and I have a full routine at the end of the day. That's so dope. Has it gotten... Does it get easier over time for you or a little bit more difficult because it's like you have so much that you've created already? Yeah, I think it it does get difficult through time just because I'm so used to specific movement. Um, 
I feel like my body is so used to moving a certain way and I'm always trying to challenge myself so I, it does di- get pretty difficult and um, you know that's one of the consequences where that you have to deal with when you con- you know consistently try to put out you know content um, how do but, you keep yourself inspired sorry to cut you off I just could not ask the students mm-hmm. my students um, the people that because I can have I can be having the rough day trying to create material and then when I when I step foot in that classroom you know the kids and the students there all put me at ease and they they all like let me know hey man this is great Aww. this is this is awesome when meanwhile I was back at home thinking that this move was sorry I could have done better da 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 but when you're doing the movie you're demonstrating the movie and then you look back to the class and the class like really digging in and really trying like man I'm overthinking it I'm overanalyzing so that's one of the things that keeps me inspired with my material so I pride myself on my teaching, but once in a blue, I have to be vulnerable if I'm asking you to be vulnerable. Okay. I'll teach a class and mm-hmm. I'll be like afterwards, like it didn't click. It uh, didn't click for the students or I feel hard on myself, like the choreography mm, didn't yeah. quite. And I'll be like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm whack, everyone's great and I suck. And like, <laughs> I go into a dark hole and then I need to call my mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> And it's the worst, it's the worst feeling. I'm like, oh, I'm a fraud. She can be really bad. fraud. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sharing that. It is really hard for me to share that. I want to cut it out. I probably won't because that wouldn't be no, fair. No, no. Because I, like, I don't want someone to hear it and be like, don't. Yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. I love teaching so much. So I was wondering, mm-hmm. have you ever had those moments? Do you ever have that once in a blue, like, have you never had that? It's yeah, okay. no, I've had. You I've have? had, yeah. Because I feel like I'm the only one when that yeah. happens. I'm always questioning whether or not I'm, if I'm doing anything right. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I told you earlier that I like to go into classes to try to learn more from, you know, people who I admire um, teaching classes. My biggest dilemma became where the video camera became in an element in my classes Mm -hmm. and um, that was my biggest test because you know you hear people and you hear opinions about the video camera being in class and it losing the authenticity of the class and unfolding I want to say mistakes I'm not yeah like I want to be able to mess up try different things in class and when a camera is there I'm like it's about that. Yeah. I don't want to be seen yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's one of my biggest tests. Mm-hmm. And still, I, I'm still tested to this day. It's hard because now we live in a world that is such media-based. Mm-hmm. And where my achievements and my, uh, not standards, but more accomplishments come from media. And it just so happens that I'm a dance teacher. And I think it's a beautiful thing, but my biggest test is when I encounter people who don't want that. And I had and still have to find a compromise and I have to find a good, happy medium to respect those people's wishes. It's developed into the 
point where if you go into Phil Wright's class, he's videotaping. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And I've actually accumulated students, only those students who wish to be on camera or whatnot. And that's probably the more, not downside, because I'm always happy with everything, but I just wish that wasn't an issue because I stand fully behind that, but I can't dislike anyone for having their opinions about the video camera being in class. Yeah. So that's something that's kind of hard for me to, and I'm still battling to this day, you know. Like whether to do it or just the fact, you know, you said you're committed to it, so it's just that people will react how they may react. Yeah, and the way, I'm just trying to find ways to make everyone at ease in the classroom, which I think I've done. I've done okay. You know, I think I've done, done okay with finding that happy medium for a while now, but I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, the one of the worst things of all for me is having, one, having someone in class and then walking out in the middle. And not because of an emergency, but just because they weren't satisfied with the class. That is the most disheartening thing for me as a teacher. I try not to encounter that or try not to develop. So I want to make sure that I connect. That's why you'll see me a lot walking throughout the class, not standing in the front all the time, walking, dancing with the students or whatnot. But yeah, I question myself a lot when it comes to the video camera in the class because, you know, Doing that so much can come off me being selfish, me being um, self-centered or whatever the case may be. But along with that, my my true friends know who I am Mm -hmm. and the people that I work with know what I stand for. And that's why when I do video and I do, you know, pull out the camera, everyone gets an equal shot to shine. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the classroom, I don't care if you were... You have 5,000 or 5 million followers or two followers. Everyone feels special. And I typically call out the people who were iffy about class. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who didn't want to, like, uh, were, or either pressured or just because of their friend coming to take class, they ended up being in the class. And I typically use those, not use them, but put them on a platform for them to shine. Taking that introvert Mm -hmm. and putting them in an environment where they can smile at least. Not, you know, become like this roaring tiger. But the messages that I received from those students that I pull out in class that were iffy, those messages are the best checks that you can ever receive. Uh. You know, for me. Just for me. And that's what I've learned. And having the camera in class can ultimately have you resort to only calling the best students out in class because you want the best and you want your choreography to read the best and such X9 and yeah. the third. But I feel like people are more inspired by the people who are not fully capable of doing so but are trying to do so. Yeah. That for me is more of a bigger message than anything else or more bigger of a message than that person doing your choreography to perfection. So that's 
the bigger picture for me. Thank you for caring. And I took your class two weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. It was a smaller uh, class. And that's why I was like, I got to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun. We were jumping and like, it, it was really an experience. We were jumping. Doing you jumping had to do like a pike. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like a pike to like, a, I'm, I'm glad I was warm. It was so much fun. Yeah, the choreography, my choreography is very athletic, so. So what would you say, just bringing it, rounding it out, because I think sometimes it's hard to look at yourself when you're in it. Yeah. So what would you say to me, or what would you say to yourself if you could step outside of yourself after having maybe a tough class? Relax. 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 People who are supposed to be around you are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. I believe in purpose. I believe in cause and effect. Mm -hmm. I believe things are stationed and things are are, 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 are. This R R? No way. <laughs> <laughs> that is no good. R squared? No. no. No good. Not reinventing R -R. the English language today, no? Right, no. Um, things are supposed to be what they're supposed to be, you know? Uh, um, I would tell myself to relax. Keep that passion within your heart and, your, and in your body. And uh, never lose it, you know? I think that's most important. That's beautiful. Yeah. I have like a rounding few questions left. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you have any schedules, rituals, things that you get done no matter what? Schedules I, and rituals. <laughs> it's you know what? It's hard. I I try to stay in the gym as much as I can. Now I've developed a routine where I have to wake up at like six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. get to the gym, come home, uh, eat breakfast, go to sleep, take a nap, okay? A nap for like <laughs> a nap. Yeah. People will call this a sleep, but I call it a nap. Oh, okay, so gym seven thirty to eight thirty. Come home, eat. I'm done usually by nine thirty. I'm in back in bed for about until like twelve. And then my day starts. That's great. Yeah. Now, why don't you just wake up at ten? And the reason why I can't do that. <laughs> Is because my body clock doesn't allow it to. <laughs> I end up waking up at like 8 in the morning now. I don't know if that comes with getting older or whatever, but there was a point in time in my life where I wouldn't get up until 1. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if that was because I was younger or whatever. I have an answer. Because <laughs> oh, I just read answer? a book about sleep. Really? The what circadian rhythm, seriously, of teenagers, so our natural sleep cycles, as teenagers, <laughs> I can't want to share this with the world, <laughs> it's off by a few hours, roughly, than adults. Uh -huh. And the reason, the hypothesis, uh -huh. is that in evolution... <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> teenagers that's when you're forming your adult your adult identity because think about it like when it's life or death you're in the wilderness because we're just civilized for the last i don't right. want to for a short time right, relative right. to how long humans have been around so teenagers are learning how to be adults so they need like a half controlled environment mm -hmm. where they can you know mess up but yeah you know. so teenagers they would be awake when everyone was asleep because kids go to sleep early and adults go to sleep at a medium time let's mm -hmm. say teenagers are forming bonds they're forming their social circles and they have their alone time mm -hmm. late at night but mm -hmm. then they have to sleep in so yeah that's for reason. the circadian rhythm for teenagers circadian circadian rhythm that's our natural sleep cycle mm -hmm. and i get so excited talking about this stuff um mm -hmm. it syncs up with nature with where you're at so also mm -hmm. when you're jet lagged it takes about a day for every hour that your sleep is off. Wow. 
Wow, how do you know this stuff? <laughs> it's, there's this book called Why We Sleep, and I feel like everyone needs to read it because there's such a culture around, like, I'll sleep when I'm dead, no days off, no sleep. Right. And then, yeah, so it's like a culture around that, and then there's stuff that you hear, like, it's bad if you don't sleep, but yeah. kind of. Yeah. And this book has just tons of studies on how it impacts different things. Mm-hmm. So it impacts creativity because mm-hmm. of our what happens during our REM cycles, mm-hmm. uh, immunity, everything. The mm-hmm. way you age, yeah. Alzheimer's later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so sleep is important. Mood. It's so injury prevention, and so few people are actually truly okay with like less than seven or eight hours of sleep. It's less than 0.01%, I think. Oh, really? So, because I, I know tons of people that are like, nah, I'm good, but yeah. it's no. And it also affects your mood and decision making. Yeah, it's damaging and stuff. So, well, I mean, I can't sleep for more than six hours. But then you get but your that's nap. why I get my nap in. So you're getting a total of nine. Yeah, probably. Something, so something like that. Yeah. It's, it's so important. So like yeah. dancers get all of your sleeps. Yes. Sleep. And now other humans as well. I went on a tangent, but I will go on that tangent whenever <laughs> I need it. I won't rest till everyone rests. Oh my god, I'm such a grandma. <laughs> Wait, in college, my first year off. Yeah, I'm going there. My first year <laughs> off. Yeah, I'm going there. <laughs> <laughs> I um <laughs> in college. Yeah, what I was. College you go to? I went to for a year a small liberal arts called Goucher in Maryland, okay. and then I went to USC. Okay. Um. So I was like Goucher. I was so passionate about my sleep already, even though I part, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it would be like ten thirty. Had my nightgown, my earplugs, mm-hmm. and I hear all this noise, and I'd open up the door, and I would cuss <laughs> people out. <laughs> I would cuss. I'd be like, shut, shut up. The- I'll say it. You can bleep it out. Shut the f*** up. I'm trying to get some sleep. This is like straight out of New York. And just like, I like march around. I would just, it was intense. That's so crazy. It was intense. I wish I had got the college experience. I never got that. I feel like there's different ways that you get your education. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it was a really cool finding fun you know, finding yourself fun time. Yeah. And at the same time, like I have friends, especially entrepreneurial friends that mm-hmm. didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to see how they've constructed their own education. Yeah. And it's through things that are so fully applicable to you because mm-hmm. you're not going to say like, oh, let me, you know, dedicate five days of my life to researching something I don't care about. It's right. more like, all right, I need to figure out business and marketing. I need yeah. to learn about cameras, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 So... Who are some of like your teachers, people? Who who are the Phil Wrights of Phil Wright? The Phil Wrights of Phil Wright. Who are your teachers um, and influences, dance and non-dance? Now, currently, or in the past? Bad, both. Probably, yikes. When I first moved here, Jason Wright was a big, big name for me. I uh, looked up to him big time. I looked up to Fly Styles big time. Um, there's so many different teachers that I admire for a lot of different reasons. And I think me growing into who I am now, there are certain things that I've pulled from them that they've given in those classes and whatnot. I would say now I'm more inspired by my company that's around me. Not physically around me, but like, you know, now we have this thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel more motivated by my more successful, my successful peers. Yeah. There are certain things that this person does that inspires me. 
and there's another this person inspires me over here this and there's so many people that are doing so many great things especially in LA even not in LA everywhere that inspires me and I try to keep tabs on them I try to pick their brains and I try to stay in touch with them and there's just so many people you know Hollywood I love Hollywood Will's amazing, Jojo, uh, Aaliyah, uh, Nicole Kirkland, um, Tony Zarr. It's just, it, the, the list goes beyond. And the, you know, I'm sorry if I didn't mention anyone, but it's just, it's, it's just, the spot. yeah, it's the selection is endless. And all of those different people give so many different elements and inspire me in different ways like for me i feel like hollywood is the best promo marketer whatnot shout out to this episode i don't know the exact number right now but yeah if you had a hollywood i i feel like he is the blueprint for marketing yourself and manifesting exactly what you want in life like he's he's the go for it i feel do you have any people outside of the dance world? Because mm-hmm. to me, like, you seem so business savvy. You're such an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Also, like, the parent jam. I remember you had a post about it. It was a while ago. Like, mm-hmm. I think people were ripping it off or something. Yeah. And like, hey, I got it cut. Like, this trademark, is trademarked. Yeah. yeah. You know, the parent jam came a long way. We're in big talks with a lot of different things. If you haven't already, make sure you guys go follow the parent jam page. It's at so hard. T-H-E-P-A-R. E-N-T-J-M. J-A-M. The videos I've seen are so precious. Seeing the videos warm my heart because Mm -hmm. the parents, oh my God, they like... They they, bring joy, right? They bring joy and they are driving and sacrificing Mm -hmm. and spending countless hours on their children's dance, which is so many levels of extraordinary. And to see them be able to be included in that opportunity i think yeah. that the kids will get it even on an exponentially bigger level when they're a bit older and can look back on the experience yeah. so I, I saw it and i was like this is oh so gosh. brilliant and warming thank you so much for that yeah. and you know like you come up uh, i came up with the idea where you know i was at ida at the time and i was teaching class and we're in a class with full students kids predominantly and we'll walk outside and you'll see a slew of like parents just waiting on their phones and whatnot. People like peeking into the window and whatnot. And I was like, man, how could I incorporate them into the class and possibly bring more numbers into the class and develop a family fun class where everyone can enjoy it. And one of the most rewarding things to see is seeing the the students and their tendencies with the originator you know what I mean? with with where they yeah. came from with where they came from the offspring is so cool to see yeah. because if you take a student and they're like this you'll you'll start to see the the parent do the same thing yeah. or if you you have a student that's like doing backflips you'll see the the parents just like doing waves <laughs> and you know doing their little pot locking and, you know what i mean like it's it's rewarding to see and it's really really fun so um how how do you keep it like span the line where it's simple enough for the parents and engaging enough for the kids ultimately becomes a beginner's class Mm -hmm. It it becomes a beginner's class but no one ever thinks of it that way yeah because they're just having loads of fun everyone's having a great time 
No one cares about the difficult or the intensity in the class. Everyone's just, the parents more focused on the child, having a good time. And when they look at their child and their child looks back up at them and they smile, that puts them at ease because now they're getting more bang for their buck. And now their hour isn't wasted and they're not sitting outside not doing anything. Not only that, they're exercising. And, you know, two, you know, you kill two birds in one stone. And now both of them are leaving the class, smiling at each other, worked out, and now trying to find a place to eat and go to sleep, you know? So, uh, I mean, I, the Parent Jam is, if not already, going to be a global, global, global epidemic like it's gonna be huge and if it's not huge already i see so many possibilities and so many opportunities for the parent jam we have offers that are on the table that i can't disclose just yet um but major 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 things that are happening with the parent jam i do have a trademark yeah yeah uh and we're actually in, in talks of licensing it so basically I'm putting a license on the Parent Jam where people can fly out to LA, come take a seminar from me, they get certified, they go back into their studios, and they can teach the Parent Jams in their studios. So where it's sold as a curriculum and not as just, okay, I have to fly to LA to only see Phil Wright. No, I live in Virginia, I can go and take look at this app and sign up for the Parent Jam class because Larry Holmes is teaching it. Mm. But Larry Holmes flew to LA to get certified by Phil. Boom, he flies back. And then every now and then, I make up a pop-up, pop up in their class. Awesome. And everyone's like, hey, you know? And that puts a, a little bit more standard. You know, I can't be at every place at one time. So, you know, that's our process right now is, um, selling it as a curriculum to different studios around the country and once we get it solidified domestically in the country then we can go global so dope do you have um a business partner or like where do you go to how have you learned how to the business aspect of this how have you learned the business aspect of like having an idea developing it licensing it well my partner um my uh assistant my manager uh hayley walsh shout out to hayley walsh um she she helps me map everything out. Um, within that, uh, we've come across a lot of business people that are interested in what we're doing and want to get their hands on us. We have business meetings and whatnot with a lot of different people. And um, we've encountered some genuine people. We've encountered a lot of people who just kind of want to snoop in and see what's up or whatever. Um, and we've kind of depict from that. Yeah. You know, and made our pickings and, oh, this is good. I, I feel a good vibe from this person. Let's stay in contact with this person or whatever. And we've received gems from a lot of different outlets that has made themselves known to us during our journey. Okay, so. last three questions. Yeah. Last three, because mm-hmm. I could like... No, it's go okay. on forever. <laughs> I know, we're, like we're going straight through nap time. And I'm not using. <laughs> what's I know you have a constantly changing schedule, but can you give us an idea of what's a day in the life like besides the nap time and workout? After the nap time and workout, usually entails me being on social media for about 
one or one and a half to two hours answering emails, not just Instagram, but answering emails, um, doing all sorts of stuff. Usually I have a class that day, so I'll probably um, go grab something to eat or cook or something, make up the routine, create the routine, uh, answer more emails, have a business meeting. After the business meeting, go to the class, teach the class. After the class is done, go home, call one of my videographers, John, call him, hey, come over to the house. We need to just shoot some some content. He's like, okay. He comes over, we shoot. Because I've learned throughout the past that I've become sort of like a personality on social media. So now I just shoot content. Oh, that's so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw like the one with you and Ashley just about the and, wedding. Me and my wife, we just yeah. kicking in and everything. And I love vlogging. Yeah. So going back to my day, I've taught the class, I've went home, I've ate dinner, I've called John, we shot a video, and he goes home. I wake up the next morning and practically do the same thing. And if it's any different, I'm probably getting on a plane to travel across the country or internationally. That's so dope. Yeah, get off the plane, teach the class, go to the hotel, eat my oodles and noodles, get back on the plane, get back to LA, and do the same thing. Hey John, where you at? Oh, I'm over here, boom. All right, I got a class to teach. You gonna be at playground tonight? All right, cool, let's film it, boom. Get home, boom. Next day, millennium. Hey, typo, where you at? All right, no, 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 no. After that, boom. It's non-stop. And are you having to invest out of pocket for the videographers, or is it an exchange because you have so many viewers, or is that too much of a personal That question? is the reason why I'm standing here today. <laughs> 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 that is the very reason why I am standing here today is because I will give my last dollar, mm. my last dollar into what I'm doing. Um, if it costs me any amounts of money, I believe in the value of the product, not the dollar. Mm. You know, And I feel like this world that we live in, the value does come from the product because if you if you have people who do have the dollar, they may want to invest in your product, which is more valuable than the dollars that you have in your pocket. So if I can dish all of that into my product, then I may come across someone. And if it's portrayed the correct way, then people in higher standings and with much better financial uh, situations may be able to invest in my products. So, so usually you pay for things Absolutely. instead of trying to do trade. Absolutely. No, I, I pay for things. I pay. We actually shot a video not too long ago that I have to post. And um, I believe in paying or if I can't pay, I believe in exchanging something yeah. for your time. I don't think it's fair for someone to lend their time to anyone, I don't care how big of a standard that you have, um, for nothing. Yeah. Because ultimately that leads into resentment in the future, mm-hmm. you know? And we don't want to feel that way and we don't want to admit that. But ultimately there's going to be that waiting factor, yeah. you know? And I think it's just a human quality that everyone has. There's always a reason for, for why you're doing something. I don't care if there's a bum on the street. I shouldn't say bum. I don't care if there's a homeless person on the street yeah. um, and you gave that, that person $100 because they were unfortunate. 
right? Obviously, that person isn't going to give you money back. But that, with you blessing with that person, with that $100, gave you some type of good energy for you to feel valuable in the world. That's the exchange that you may have, you know. And I think that's important. I think life is not about trade, but I think when it comes to business and building your brand, everything is about trade, mm. you know. And I think it's important um, to keep that an element, like because you can take advantage of some people when people are doing things for free constantly, and I wouldn't want that. How do you say um, pressure? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want that pressure over my head to feel like I have to pay them back. Mm-hmm. So immediately, once you do a job for me, once you're here, once we're exchanging. I'm going to give you something. Mm-hmm. That's how I think it should be. Always. I hear that is such an abundance mindset. Yeah. I really like it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, last question. Okay. Which will be extended into two. Um, <laughs> what, I'm so curious. What do you see like your next 10 years or like what are you building? The next 10 years. Um, 10 years from now or bigger I feel like you're really leading up to something way bigger. Not putting this down. This is yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even know what it is, but I really feel it for you. And I don't know. My energy, the gears are shifting towards the parent jam. Mm-hmm. The parent jam is something. It's like my baby, you know, mm-hmm. like I've, I've developed this concept. And now, like, disclaimer, I didn't create students or kids dancing with their parents. Never. I didn't create that. But I did create the concept of the video camera being in front of the class, the student and the parent learning the choreography at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and it being broadcasted on the same scale as professional dancers film themselves in classes as well. Yeah. So that's what I take credit for. Um, and for me, I feel like the parent gem is way bigger than what it is now. Um, like I said, I'm sell- uh, we're, we're in the process of selling it as a curriculum to different studios domestically and internationally. Once again, there's another thing that's happening with it that's going to blow. And I think I am all in on the Parent Jam um, just because of how much joy it brings to the world and the responses that we've received in the past with the classes that we've had. And you know I, I, you know I want to do it all. Yeah. You know I, we all want to do yeah. it all. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, the parent jam is where I'm going. It's a hundred and fifty years from now. We're chilling on a cloud, looking down at Earth. What do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for my work ethic. I want to be remembered for how much joy I can bring into the room when I walked in it. I want to be remembered for uplifting. I want to re- be remembered for enlightening the dark. I want to be remembered for the smiles that I put on. So all of that, you know, saying all of that ultimately goes back to one thing is just inspiration, you know. And if I can be remembered for, yo, he was 
the most inspirational person that I've ever come in contact with, I'm good with that. I'm good with just that tag, you know? And if my, my earthly time was spent well, I would want people to say, he made my day brighter. He made me feel a certain type of way to want to do better. And I feel like that's the ultimate goal for me. I don't want anything else. So beautiful. How can people follow, support? Yes, all of that Anything coming up? You could definitely go follow the Parent Jam page on Instagram. Um, make sure you can also follow me on Instagram, which is Phil underscore right underscore. Um, you can subscribe on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Phil Wright. Twitter, Phil Wright 7. Um, there's so many handles, you know. And you know what's crazy? I told my students, I was like, yo, change your, your name, your, your, your tags to your name. Like, now people are referencing people on the street that they see by the, the social media platforms yeah. that they have. So it's crazy. like, man, do I know her name? Gosh, is that 80, is that Shifty Booty 86? <laughs> <laughs> That's Shifty Booty. Hey, Shifty Booty. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm having a flashback all of a sudden. <laughs> Did you have your social media at the carnival background? <laughs> Yo. I I'm sure there, did. I put out. my show. I put my social media. You put like right a business card. Yeah. The, yeah. That was <laughs> Phil underscore right underscore. I was like, he's shameless. Yeah, yeah. No, no shame at all. And you know, I say it. I say that to say this is because now the world is evolving. And we spend more time on yeah. media. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's you know. So just change your your tags or whatever as close to your name as possible. You know. Because that's what these business executives are going to refer to you as. Imagine them in a room <laughs> thinking <booties>. about <laughs> hiring you. Hey, have you seen that Shifty Booty 86? We have Man, to find that, if this is real. <laughs> that video's fire. Oh, my <laughs> you know? God. So, um, but yeah, um, definitely. Like, social media, you can follow me all on all of those platforms. I'm always consistently putting up material. Whether if it's dance, motivational speaking, um, you know, the Parent Jam content, everything you can follow on those social media platforms to catch all that material. And like, subscribe, comment, reshare, do all that good stuff. And you know, it's crazy. Also, another thing, I'm going on a tangent, no, whatever. Social media has, like, its way on bombarding your home. And it's, and it's in everyone's home. So I feel like we need to make sure that we are receiving and feeding ourselves the right things that we feel comfortable with, you know? The reason why I'm saying this is that you are in full control, you know? And it's important for us to take that and um, understand that we, just as in food, we need a diet. We need a diet in social media and what we oh, receive yes. yeah what we receive like you know like i only follow i follow the shade room right because it's like my channel seven news it's like whatever like but i only follow that one media page 
you ever had cable you know when cable first came out you mm-hmm. had all these news channels channel 4 channel 7 channel 10 channel 2 whatever Five, seven, it's just like bro i just need one mm-hmm. okay and what i do what what i did is um just reformatted my entire social media pages to where i only get one piece of content so if i am following cnn that's my cnn that's it mm-hmm. that's my news you know i can't keep scrolling down and i'm seeing just bad news all the time or whatever this and that we're not perfect we're not we're not focused on one thing at all times you know it's just a good way to navigate your your diet you know and what i say is just go home and shake the tree and you know maybe have to relieve relieve some of those channels that you're following because that may be detrimental to your day and yeah you're living too so. I love that. I'm glad that you went there. Thank yeah, you. Oh, I want to acknowledge you for so much for bringing joy into the world and into the rooms. Because when you were saying that, I remember when I took your class the other day. It's the first time I'm like taking your class. And I just felt so happy. You were like so with it. Yeah. And you had gotten your teeth removed. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh, he must be in pain. <laughs> um, and then, you know, today just being so warm, so open, so down, so approachable. I really appreciate it, and I want to acknowledge you for all the work that you put in, all the work that people might never see or understand or know in the toughest of moments to pursue that you keep on pushing because you're so dedicated to your purpose for creating um, more love in the world. Cong- I know we didn't get to go- get into it, but congratulations on your marriage, yay, on your recent yay, marriage. Yay, I love, I yeah, love love. Very, very um, <laughs> yay. <laughs> um, yeah, and for everything, you took a big chunk of day today, and you were so down and like whatever time you need and you brought your super talented mm-hmm. crew to film and light it and all this stuff so thank you no and i, I just want to say thank you for inviting me i know you you've been we've been crossing for a very long time ever since like Deb, with debbie's and stuff yeah. like that and i think i i crossed you and i was like oh yeah you have that podcast and whatnot and then you told me about it briefly and we were like literally you were going to class i was coming from class and uh, I just want to say congratulations on uh, a successful business. You've been doing such a great job. I admire you from afar. Oh, You're doing wow. such a good Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Had a great time. Yay! Thank you again for listening to episode 101 of Dance Speak. If you enjoyed it, if you got anything out of this, please remember to rate and review us on iTunes and also share this with a friend, your studio, family members, your friends, your dance folk. We really appreciate it. A special thank you to our episode sponsor, the Dance Studio Owners Association, DSOA.com. If you're a studio owner looking to start your own studio, no studio owner, they're really a great, great resource. Uh, Amongst the other things that I mentioned at the beginning, their master classes, their library of templates and guides for you to simply download and plug into your studio, their exclusive live trainings, you also get 24-7 access to their staff and the 1,000 plus association members from across the globe so you can post your questions and get a response within the hour. How wonderful is it to have a community of leaders, of dance studio owners, all up to the same things, helping each other and getting experts behind you. So again, check them out at dsoa.com slash join. 
Remember, I, we now have a library of over 100 episodes, and I mean it. I am happy to personally recommend episodes tailored to your interests and your goals. So if you DM us at, on Instagram at Dance Speak Podcast, hit me up. Let me know what you're up to. Ask me any questions, and you will get a response. Have a beautiful day, and thanks for listening. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our Dance Speak podcast. For inquiries, suggestions, comments on your favorite guests, or who you'd like to see on the show, please email us at dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-N-C-E-S-P-E-A-K-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And check back in next week for our latest interview. Thank you so much. 